You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. And my goodness, what a week it has been. The Hoosiers have now won three out of four, believe it or not, to crawl back into the quagmire in the middle of the Big Ten. And of course, the third of those three wins was as tragic, excruciating, and thrilling as you're ever going to see from one 40-minute basketball game. And we are, of course, going to spend some time talking about the aftermath of that game on this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio. I am your host, Jared Morris. Excited to talk some IU basketball this week with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And you will find us. Well, I will begin this week's show as we begin every post-game show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment, the moment during the past week that most strongly suggested that Indiana's on the right path to hanging banner number six from the rafters in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And, you know, obviously after a game where Indiana goes on the road, wins with a last-second shot by James Blackman Jr., that would be the easy choice here. And that was my choice on the Assembly Call uh, IU post-game show. But for the banner moment, I'm actually going to go back a little bit further into that game. And I want to really shine a positive light on the two possessions in a row where Freddie McSwain and Thomas Bryant went back-to-back with offensive rebound jams that at the time kept Indiana's lead at about a 10-12 to point gap. And that obviously proved very, very important as that lead would get whittled down quickly, as we all remember. But I think those two plays were important for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, Thomas Bryant really improved his play against Penn State, and he has to continue to play that way, to be a monster on the glass, to be efficient down low for this Indiana team to compete for the rest of the season. And a guy like Freddie McSwain, given all the injuries Indiana has, he's now going to probably have to play a more prominent role, you know, maybe seven to ten minutes a game, as he did against Penn State. And he showed that in the right role, playing down low, he can have some value. And I thought those two plays, you know, Indiana's great offensive rebounding on display, making uh, uh, huge baskets when they needed them, those were very encouraging signs to me uh, in that game and a big reason why Indiana was able to hang on and win that game. All right, well, let me introduce you now to my esteemed co-hosts. To my left, we have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to BracketMatrix.com. He is also the proud president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome. What was your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, I think one of the things that we consistently refer to with last year's team was resiliency. And I don't think we've seen a whole lot of that this year. I mean, one of the things that came to mind last year was they didn't ever lose two games in a row. And this team uh, certainly let some things get away from it for for a stretch there and may still do so by the end of the season. Uh, but I really thought last night in particular, given the circumstances, they, they displayed uh, as, mo- as much resiliency as we've seen from them this year. And, and I was really impressed by it because 
you know, the reality is you walk in there, you don't have one of your better players with Juwan Morgan already out. Uh, Ananobi goes down toward the end of the first half. And I think as much as I had no idea what to expect going into the game, I had even less idea what to expect coming out of the locker room because you really, um, you know, had no idea how this team was going to react to that. And sometimes those injuries can happen so fast in the middle of a game, you just kind of keep playing. Uh, they had, you know, 15 minutes to dwell on it and try to figure out, you know, what they were going to do and things like that. And um, while they didn't extend the lead immediately in the second half, they also didn't give the lead away either. And, uh, you know, we, so then we saw them eventually build up that lead. Obviously, things uh, got off the swivel a little bit there uh, toward late in the half. And the team still managed to find a way to win the game. And I think that was um, for as much as I, there are things to lament, there are things to work on. Uh, there were things that didn't go well. Uh, and and will often lose you games. I think what stood out to me above all the rest was the way that they kind of found a way to band together. Uh, you saw the three guys you, that that everything has been expected of this season, and in, in the likes of Thomas Bryant and Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. and and we talked about those guys really just kind of willed this team to victory uh, when they were all running on fumes at the end. And uh, you know, obviously the finish itself. Uh, was exciting, maybe unnecessarily so, but uh, that was that was the big thing for me. And so uh, we have no idea what that win will mean. We have no idea where this team will go from there. But in that moment, uh, I was awfully proud of the way that they uh, they responded to a difficult situation. Absolutely. And to my right, we have a man who is currently preparing for his giant I told you so about Devontae Green, a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and someone who wonders what the big deal is about James Blackman Jr. signaling shush to the Penn State grad because he does it. He does the exact same thing each morning after successfully cutting in line and placing his Starbucks order. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? I either do that or I, I do the run our test, kiss my hands, and throw them to the sky. Uh, I You know, I, there's a lot of reactions to that Penn State win. A lot of people saying, yeah, well, it shouldn't have been close. I mean, have these people not watched basketball in the Big Ten before? Uh, you don't poo-poo any road win. I don't care who it is, especially this year. Uh, winning on the road has been incredibly difficult, and it is every year, really. And uh, the way that team battled, and yeah, you know, you're up eight with uh, under two minutes to go. It should be a win. Uh, but you had a freshman miss two free throws. You had some really silly mistake in uh, mistakes on inbounds plays. Um, you know, I, little things that would have helped salt the game away didn't go right. And uh, instead of just you know, falling victim to, okay, we're going to overtime. We're going to lose it. Uh, you know, you had a guy step up and make a big shot. And and that's why you recruit a guy like James Blackman is to make a big shot. So uh, a lot of people out there are just kind of down on this win. And, and yeah, I know it's, it's, it's Penn state on the road, not a team you get excited about beating, but the way that game went losing one of your best players, potentially for a long period of time, the emotional blow of that and not letting that affect them to the point of just giving the game away. They fought, they battled. It was a rough game. So many things went against them in that game, including, you know, just the absolute lack of some really obvious foul calls. Um, all of it was going against them. All of it was angled against them. They could have packed it in and just said, this is not our night. 
they didn't. They they kept battling. They kept fighting through. You saw a guy like Thomas Bryant really step up in the absence of OG Ananobi. As you said, Freddie McSwain stepped up, Deron Davis, some other guys, uh, Zach McRoberts. You know, all those guys playing more minutes than normal with OG Ananobi out. And they stepped up and and they won the game. And you had you had the guy who's been the the best player for Indiana this year offensively knock down a big shot to win. I don't I don't get how you're upset about that win. Um, yeah, it didn't go perfectly, but you leave with a good feeling of a, a crazy win, a really nice win, and then you also have the teaching points of well, this is why it became close. Let's work on these things and fix them before our next game. Um, I, I think a win like that is far more valuable than a blowout, um, and far more valuable than you know a fifteen point win on on the road over uh, a team that is in is you know may end up in the mid to lower tier of of the Big Ten. So I think I thought it was a great win for Indiana. Obviously, the win over Rutgers was a solid performance as well. Two teams you expect to beat, and they did. Yeah, no, it was a great win at Penn State. Unfortunately, it was very costly as OG Ananobi went down. Um, and we are recording this on Thursday night. So if something happens on Friday before you listen to this, you know, we don't have official word yet. But obviously, we are operating under the assumption that at a minimum, OG isn't going to play this week. And certainly, we're expecting him, just based on what that injury looked like, to be out longer than that. So that's the assumption that we're operating under uh, as we record this episode. And we have a, a great packed show for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk about how Indiana replaces OG in the short term and in the long term. Uh, we're also going to get in a little bit more to talking about the reaction to the win last night uh, and the reaction to James Blackman Jr.'s reaction to his huge shot. And we will, of course, uh, take a look ahead at Indiana's game on Saturday against Michigan State and then give you our bold predictions for the upcoming week. All of that coming on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. But first, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com. And they're not just our sponsor, they're our friends. Uh, We really hope that you check them out because if you consider yourself a Hoosier and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com because they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their product so much that we moved production of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, they care about their customers, and they take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. So check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's let's dive into this discussion about OG Ananobi. Uh, and there's obviously there's a lot of different angles here. Um, the first is, of course, just how disappointed that we all are, you know, to see a guy who, I mean, look, that Rutgers game, it really looked like he was coming back into his own, becoming that defensive force again. And even the Penn State game, you know, we saw them run the Maryland play again, where he just drives down the lane and just annihilates an entire defense. And, you know, so to see him go down as it feels like he's starting to come back into his own is just such, obviously it's a shame for us as fans, but even more than that, just so disappointing for him, you know, as it looked like he was gaining that confidence. And obviously we know, you know, what the expectation is for him from a professional standpoint after the season. So you just hope that this isn't something that will linger for him. But in terms of the immediate impact, it obviously is going to have a big impact on Indiana. And so, you know, Andy, as you look at this, you know, Juwan Morgan seems to be the guy that you would say would kind of step into OG's role, but Juwan Morgan has his own role, and so that's going to mean someone's going to have to step in there. Losing a guy like OG really is a tough domino for Indiana to deal, to deal with. 
Yeah, I think, you know, you, you also have to factor in Morgan's what his health situation is as well. And hopefully he'll be able to be back. It, it's, it's, you know, injuries are unfortunate no matter what. They're particularly unfortunate in a scenario where you've now lost uh, two guys in uh, Colin Hartman and OG Ananobi who play, you know, kind of the same position, obviously a different skill set, but, uh, you know, play, play a similar position. And Morgan is really the other guy who fits into that role. And he's been uh, banged up you know, off and on throughout his career and throughout the season as well. So um, I, I agree with you that, that Morgan, while he seems to be the most likely candidate to take OG's spot in the, um, you know, his, his, he'd been coming off the bench, started last night. You know, I think he's uh, set to take most of the minutes. It then becomes a question of, you know, who can really take some of that. I think for me, maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment from last night. It, it feels like that's a, a Zach McRoberts uh, type scenario where, you know, when we talk about Juwan Morgan things doing, doing a little bit of everything, uh, whether that be defensively on the glass, uh, you know, timely basket here and there. Uh, you know, I thought Ryan Carraza did a really good job on inside the hall today of trying to break down just the kinds of plays that McRoberts made in that game and the impact that he had on the game without scoring a point. Uh, I think as we've talked about with McRoberts from a lineup standpoint, you've got to find ways to put him in situations where, you know, he's with three to four other, you know, significant scoring threats as he's out there on the court. Uh, and so I think IU will need to continue to do that. Obviously with OG, there's, you know, there's one less of those threats to be utilized, but uh, in, in general, I guess I feel like it's, it's going to be him to, to try to take up the bulk of that. Uh, I think McSwain has shown some, some promise of late played well, as you mentioned last night and against games when that IU plays against teams with bigger front lines, I think he's more apt to get some minutes and you'll certainly see more of Thomas Bryant and, uh, and Jerron Davis playing together as well. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I started to think, Ryan, is that, you know, maybe you see kind of Juwan slide into more of a, a small forward role, and we see more of Thomas and Duran playing together, although now you've got all your big guys out there, you know, and when, when it comes to foul trouble, you know, that's one less guy there in terms of depth that could really hurt. Well, one thing that's also difficult to do when you have Bryant and Duran Davis uh, on the floor at the same time is guard everybody because neither of those two guys can really go out on the perimeter and guard anybody. So that's, you'll see them slide into a zone a lot of times, uh, put one of those guys on the wing and one under the basket uh, in a two, three set. Uh, so it's kind of tough to do offensively. That's great. It's a great look for Indiana running that high, low action, but I feel like they can steal minutes with that and not rely on it. Uh, obviously, Juwan Morgan's the guy who needs to step up. He's going to have to step up. It's definitely not a one for one situation. Situation. But if there's anybody else on the roster who can do a lot of the things that OG can do, it's Jawan Morgan. Uh, and then on on the back end of that, you're going to see a lot of more four guard lineups. I think with with Curtis uh, Curtis Jones and Devonte Green getting more time. You're going to see Zach McRoberts more. Uh, he's played very well defensively recently and and done an excellent job. So I don't think you're you're going to lose a whole lot. Obviously, you don't have the athleticism, and that's that's a huge hole to fill. Uh, let, let's let's face it, nobody is going to replace. OG Ananobi, it's going to be a combination of guys having to step up and and you know play more minutes as as you said, but also play better minutes and and really mature. And I think that the guy you're really going to look at who is going to get a bump and have to play well is Freddie McSwain. I think that that maybe more than expected, he's going to have to slide into a Jawan Morgan type role off the bench from last year. You know, maybe getting ten. 12 minutes a game playing solid defense rebounding and just not doing anything wrong he's got to play solid basketball and not hurt you when he's on the floor like you saw with Morgan and to some degree Ananobi last year 
And he's been doing a better job of that. You know, when he first came in, those first couple of games, he was kind of chucking it, and he was leading uh, Indiana in a percent of possessions used there for a little while. But he's really dialed that back and seems to be getting back to doing the things he's good at, which is being athletic, making rebounds, you know, just getting out on the break and kind of making some things happen, So, which has been a good sign for Indiana. All right, well, this is obviously the biggest topic. Let's keep talking about this, uh, guys, as we move forward. So coming up here on Assembly Call Radio, we will dive in even more on the many angles uh, of how Indiana replaced places OG Ananobi that's next on the assembly call stay right here with us You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU Hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we are breaking down the impact of the OG Ananobi injury. And again, we are recording this on Thursday night. So if you're listening to this on Friday and there has been official word about how long OG is going to be out, uh, we haven't gotten that yet by the time we recorded this. But we are operating under the assumption that... He'll be out for a while. Certainly, he'll be out for Indiana's upcoming games. And so we're breaking down what that impact will be. And, you know, I think, guys, it's pretty clear that, you know, look, losing OG is is a big loss. And I think it's a much bigger loss on defense than it is on offense. You know, OG is a guy who, you know, has a good offensive rating, but his offensive rating is seventh on the team. He's been a guy who's been relatively inconsistent in terms of his offensive production but, you know, has one of the best block percentages on the team, one of the best steal percentages on the team. We saw that against Rutgers. We know what he can do there. And for a team that is already struggling defensively to basically take your biggest chip off the table from a defensive perspective, that to me is where his impact is going to be most sorely felt. Andy, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's the biggest part. You know, from a production standpoint, he's been kind of in and out of the you know, double figures from a scoring perspective. And I think uh, while we started to see him, it, it looked like he was turning the corner um, both literally and figuratively at times, you know, these last couple of games, I also don't know that, you know, it, there's no way of knowing what that would have really been. And could he build on that? So uh, defensively though, I mean, what he gives you out top and the ability to switch things and really play passing lanes, I think uh, y- you really can't, you really can't overstate the importance there, even though, I think there have been times that we felt like he's kind of drifted um, defensively, but he really seemed to be locked back in, starting with that Rutgers game with the seven steals. Um, but even in the first half of the Penn State game, just seemed really locked in defensively in a way that he seemed to be last year. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely, that's a bigger concern. Uh, you can find other guys to score on a team that that can be explosive offensively, uh, but for a team that has struggled a lot defensively, replicating his length and ability to guard multiple positions is something that is uh, not readily available. Yeah, and I shouldn't underplay his offense too much. I mean, he is making 70% of his two-point field goal, so it's not like he has been bad offensively, but, you know, if we're trying to assess where the impact will be felt most. And, you know, guys, the thing that we talked about in the break, you know, we, t- we talked about in the first segment how important it will be for Juwan Morgan to step up, but Ryan, you know, how concerned are you with putting all of this responsibility onto the shoulders of Juwan Morgan, and no no pun intended there, but he's a guy who's had shoulder problems, he's had ankle problems, you know, he, the injury with the foot against Rutgers, not necessarily through any fault of his own. He's just been a guy who's injury prone, whether, you know, by being physically injury, injury prone or, or, or through bad luck, it makes me a little bit nervous to maybe place a lot more emphasis, a lot more minutes on his plate he skill wise, he can do it. He's been phenomenal. He's actually Indiana's, you know, he's the 11th highest rated player offensively in the country. I mean, that's how efficient he's been. And we know how good he's been from a rebounding perspective, but it just makes me nervous to put that much on his plate. 
No, I mean, that's a fair assessment. I think uh, he has been a guy who's been bitten by the injury bug pretty badly uh, in his career so far. Um but I mean, really looking around, he's the only guy you can go to. And, and this is a time for Jawan to have to step up and step up for his teammates. And, and, and there's going to be a lot on his, as you said, shoulders. And that's been an issue. Um, but that's why, as I said in the first segment, a guy like Freddie McSwain, you know, developing faster than we probably had wanted him to or, or expected him to is going to be so, so necessary to this team. Zach McRoberts, same thing. They're both going to have to do more than you know, they were expected to McRoberts is going to have to start scoring. I mean, he, he flat out is, he's doing a good job defensively running around, knocking balls loose. You know, it, it the, the sad thing is, is the guy on this roster who could most fit into what OG does on both sides, uh, not athletically, but from uh, just a all around balance standpoint is Colin Hartman and he's out too. So, I mean, you know, you're missing that little things guy, that has to be a combination of people. Jawan Morgan has to step up. Freddie uh, McSwain has to step up. Deron Davis has to step up. I mean, these are guys who are going to play minutes. They were not expected to play. And guess what? That's why you were brought to Indiana was to do this and, and, and to, to, to play you know, big minutes in big games and to make something happen and, and to fill a hole when a guy goes out. And, and so, you know, it, it's... Yeah, it's rough to look at it for for Jawan, who's had those injury problems, and and will he hold up? I don't know, but he has to if this team's going to be successful. He's gotta, and everybody else has to step up as well. Robert Johnson, James Blackwood Jr., Thomas Bryant, they all have to step up their games to make up for what we're, you're missing. They have to play better defense. They have to focus. They have to communicate, and then offensively, they need to step up their games as well because they'll need it with, with missing that defense on the back end. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, maybe that's how Indiana compensates. I mean, the Hoosiers are already 92nd in the country in defense defensive efficiency. They're 10th in the Big Ten uh, in defensive efficiency. Obviously, they got better against Rutgers and against Penn State, but those are two of the worst offenses in the conference. And maybe that's what Indiana is going to have to do to compensate for losing its best defender is just score more. And look, we saw in that Penn State game, you know, perhaps a formula that can work, which is Robert Johnson, James Blackwood Jr., Thomas Bryant. I think all of those guys took at least 10 shots between 10 and 14 shots. They all played, you know, 30-plus minutes, and they're not guys who have played a ton of minutes this season. I mean, only James is playing at least 70% of the minutes. I mean, Andy, I'm thinking those guys are going to have to be playing at least 75 80% of the minutes, obviously taking the vast majority of the shots. So a lot's going to be on their shoulders, too. And James and Robert have to lead because they're juniors, they're upperclassmen. Thomas Bryant has obviously has the most experience of anybody else, and he's 6'10 and skilled. I mean, Indiana is going to go as far as those three guys are able to take them, and that means they're going to need to be more consistent uh, and, and, and just able to produce at a high level, especially late in games like they were against Penn State. I mean, yeah, all those guys had 17 points, and I think you know, you're going to need that, if not a little bit more, as you go forward from them because we had talked about you know last week the importance of – uh, you know, Ananobi and, and Bryant. Well, that's down to to kind of just Bryant at this point. But uh, I thought he played well uh, last night. Certainly had some turnover issues, but uh, got back to to making some shots. And, and it really seemed like that uh, the dunk off that that great look from Devonte Green got him going. Yeah, um, let's. And, I mean, not not to jump in, but let's be real. Thomas Bryant stepped up in that second half, and, yeah. and he really did. And he started playing like you want Thomas Bryant to play. I mean, that's. You know, and it was right after OG Ananobi went down. You know, he went down at the end of the half, started the second half, and you saw him come out and play with more purpose. And he finally so rebounded. Maybe this is what again. gets him going. Yeah, and maybe this is what gets yeah. him going. You know, I mean, maybe he he feels like he needs to do that. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I don't know. They're they're going to need a lot from those three though, and I think 
uh, as you said, you know, playing a lot of minutes becomes really important. There, there are no, uh, you just don't have that lineup flexibility and, and people talk about wanting to shorten the rotation. It's getting shorter, uh, not, not for the reasons that you might want it to, but, but, you know, and I think you also might see part of what I was doing late in the game was really just trying to run clock to, to get out of there with the win. Um, but I wonder if you won't see IUB maybe a little bit more methodical offensively in, in, in an attempt to try to, um, you know, keep those guys strong for the, for the late runs, because, um, th- those guys are going to be asked to play a ton of minutes. And I think we'll, uh, it'd be interesting to see how, how IU goes about, uh, making that work. Not to mention it might help reduce some of the turnovers, which can help the, the overall offensive efficiency as well. Uh, all right. Well, you are listening to the assembly call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We are assessing the impact of the injury to OG Ananobi. And Ryan, you know, to me, the other thing that has to happen is Indiana's freshmen have to continue to develop. And in their defense, they have. I mean, we saw Devontae Green play an absolutely huge role in the first half of that Rutgers game, for example. I thought in the Penn State game, Indiana was pretty sluggish coming out, and I thought the game turned when the newcomers came in. You know, Deron Davis came in and provided big minutes. Curtis Jones had two huge plays that we detailed on the postgame show last night. We're starting to see those guys feel more comfortable, make big plays. Devontae Green had the beautiful pass to Thomas Bryant. That has to continue. They all get bumped up one step in the rotation, and again, we've said it all year. Indiana's juniors have to be seniors. The sophomores have to play like juniors. And the freshmen have to become sophomores. They can't wait till the end of the year. They've got to do it now and become consistent contributors. And that can be part of the formula for Indiana, you know, salvaging something from the rest of the season. And I have to say, I feel a lot better about that right now than I did two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Saturday against Michigan State's going to be rough on those freshmen. Uh, You know, Tom Izzo's teams are meant to chew up kids like that, that are loose with the ball sometimes, that are, uh, you know, not incredibly efficient offensively at all times, things like that. Uh, But I I think it would surprise most people to to know that Deron Davis and Curtis Jones are both averaging about 13 minutes a game. I mean, it doesn't seem like that because sometimes they get lost in there and that's what freshmen do. They have spectacular moments when you're that talented. They have spectacular moments, make spectacular plays, and then they disappear or they you notice them because they're making bad plays. So that's the learning curve of a freshman is a lot of big swings. What happened with OG Ananobi and Jawan Morgan last year and even Thomas Bryant, that's not normal for freshmen. Those guys fit in slowly and seamlessly. Uh, Thomas Bryant, right from the beginning, it was not slow. He was right. He was, you know, a focal point from the beginning. But the other two guys slowly found their roles and fit in seamlessly. Which and, guards, and Curtis and Devontae are kind of on that track, you know, coming through early they, in Big Ten play. I mean, that was about sure. the same timing. But let's remember that these guys have played the whole season and they've had those up and downs. Whereas it felt like OG Ananobi and Jawan Morgan kind of had a slow you know, uh, upward trend the entire year. These guys are up and down and there's nothing wrong with that. That is what freshmen do. That is what freshmen across the country, no matter where you're at, will do. They'll have off games and they'll have great games. And so, yeah, it is with, with the injury. Now there's no more excuses. These guys have played a total of 36 college games. Now they need to be ready to go. Curtis has played 19. Devante has played 17. It's time to be grownups and, and it's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be, uh, you know, a great, uh, it's, it's not going to be a great product all the time, but those guys need to step up. And, and along with Deron Davis too, another guy averaging about 13 minutes a game, that's going to get bumped. And, and I think both of the other guys are going to have their minutes bumped as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's on them to really step up and continue that, uh, you know, that, that learning curve upward. And, uh, 
I, I mean, look, they certainly have the talent to do it. You know, I'm very high on, on Devontae Green, Deron Davis, Curtis Jones. We're all high on, I think, long term as a prospect, but they've got to start showing those returns now. Well, and, and that's yeah, the, the interesting thing is you start to look now at the at the bench. So let's assume Morgan is back and healthy and slides in the starting lineup. Everybody you're bringing in off the bench, it's their first year in the program, uh, whether it be the freshman or McSwain or McRoberts. Um, and so those guys become important. And, and when you looked on the roster last night, everybody made a positive contribution that came in the game. Uh, and that just has to grow and grow. So hopefully they get some confidence there. But yeah, you're you're looking at a situation where um, while you can say freshmen aren't freshmen at this point in the season, the reality is you've got a whole bunch of guys who have played six Big Ten basketball games at this point, and And you have zero experience uh, outside of those games coming off the bench right now. And we can certainly expect Tom Crean to continue to remind us of that in all of the postgame press conferences, which he's right, you know, so I, I suppose we can't get on him too much for that. Um, all right, final uh, a question on this topic, Andy. And a lot of people are asking us this on Twitter. You know, is this the kind of thing that the team can rally around? And I can see it, you know, for, the, for that 120 minutes last night, you know, you're without OG, everybody kind of steps up, it's this rallying point. But I wonder about that being viable long term i'm not really sure i buy that yeah i I don't i don't really buy it either i think that's one of those where i mean while we can all talk about how much this team probably misses colin hartman um think about it in that way it's not something the team talks about regularly um while they certainly miss him and he's still a part of things in the sidelines i think you can uh assume the same will hold true with og but i yeah I, i think it's something that really can galvanize you in that moment in that game and I think probably did to a certain extent last night. I think otherwise you wouldn't have seen them come out of the locker room uh, and be able to extend the lead the way they did. But yeah, long term, um, I'm not sure that the emotion that you felt in that moment uh, last night is really something that's going to sustain you and, and continue to help you move forward that way. Yeah, look, here's what can galvanize a team, and it's somebody else stepping up um, and rallying around that. Last year when James Blackman Jr. went down, they didn't get better because James Blackman Jr. went down and they all felt bad. Uh, they, w- they got better because Juwan Morgan and OG Ananobi stepped up. So now if other guys can step up, that can galvanize you and you can rally around their play. Maybe it's you know Josh Newkirk becoming a better offensive option. Maybe it's the freshman getting more time and, and contributing more. Maybe it's Freddie uh, McSwain making some spectacular you know putback dunks or something like that. That's what gets you to build. And also the fact that other guys are getting involved makes the team closer and, and and gets everybody to buy in. So that's those are the positives that you can look at as far as like maybe something moving forward that could they could bring this team together. Um, but yeah, it's it's obviously a huge loss, and and I'm sure we will talk about it the rest of the season, regardless of of you know whether or not the team does. No. There's no question we will. All righty, well, coming up, let's turn our attention to James Blackman Jr.'s big shot and his reaction, and then the reaction to his reaction. That's coming up next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. 
I'm Jared Morris talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. So, guys, let's talk about one of the other storylines that came out of that Penn State game, which was, of course, James Blackman Jr.'s huge shot and then his reaction, shushing the Penn State crowd. Uh, from what I've read, it sounds like there were, you know, some things being said by the crowd. And, and obviously, James is a guy who's taken his fair share of criticism. And, and I think we just saw a whole lot of emotion come out in that moment. But I want to read a tweet uh, from Kent Sterling, the program director at CBS 1430. Uh, and of course, you know, we love Kent. Uh, he's the whole reason why we're doing this radio show. But I think we may disagree with with the point that he made. And so what he said is... And his first tweet, to be fair, was, say what you want about Blackman's defense, but he can flat-out shoot. Might have saved IU's season. The next tweet, great shot by Blackman, but the shh BS bothers me. What's the point? Take your win and leave with some class. What James Blackman should have done last night after hitting the game winner, ignore the Penn State fans as the irrelevant mopes that they are. So... I disagree with this. I did not have a problem with James Blackman Jr.'s emotion. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, Penn State fans are irrelevant mopes. You don't disagree with that part. No, no, sorry. That, no, that, yes, okay, that yeah, part's yeah. fine. As the, offici- sure. the officials were also... Especially the four right behind the broadcasters. Those four. Yes. Can, yeah, there's a special place for those guys. But. The officials, unfortunately, were very relevant mopes yesterday. Uh, but that's a whole other topic. But I want to get your guys' thoughts. I didn't have a problem with it. It's an emotional game. He's reacting emotionally. You know, again, a guy who has taken a lot of criticism probably in that game from Penn State fans, even from his own fan base. And I get it. Is it the best look? I don't know. You know, does it maybe make him look a little bit arrogant? Maybe. But so what? It's a a guy who made a huge shot having an emotional reaction to it. I just don't have that big of a problem with that. And so Kent may now tell us to get off of his lawn. Uh, which is fine, as long as he doesn't tell us to get off of his radio station. We'll, uh, we'll all be able to handle that. But, I, you know, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on it. Andy, did you have a problem with Blackman's reaction? No, I didn't. I, I mean, I guess maybe under different circumstances, but I think when you take into account the full picture of everything that had gone on during the game from the, you know, just just the emotional roller coaster of it all with, you know, losing OG, building the lead, losing the lead, all those kinds of things. And, and um you know, just the pressure that these guys have been under and as much as they, I'm sure, want to insulate themselves from what people are saying as they, you know, are losing games, uh, it, it's not possible to do that in every scenario. So I, I do think it was a uh, a relief um, and excitement and, and finally something for these guys to really get excited about in a, in a special moment uh, in that game. And so, you know, finding a way to win, I didn't have any trouble with it uh, at all. I, I think you see that you know, in, in plenty of other scenarios that maybe are unwarranted, but I did, I had no issue with it whatsoever. I thought it was a, a cool moment for them. Glad to see them so excited and, um, no issue with it at all from yeah, my perspective. And, and context is important. If Indiana had been down 20 and he throws in a three pointer at the end of the game and does that. Okay. That's, there's no, no reason for that. You look really silly. Same thing. If Indiana had been up 20 and that's the shot at the end of the game. Now you're just kind of rubbing the, the opposition's nose in it, but given the context and the emotion of the moment, that's why I didn't have a problem with it. Ryan, what about you? Uh, he's an emotional kid going through an emotional moment hitting. I mean, he's hit big shots in his career, but I, he's never hit a buzzer beater to win a game. Uh, so you could say, obviously, one of the bigger shots. I think a couple of the ones, he, a couple of threes he hit against Kansas were, were arguably bigger. But, you know, anytime you win a game with a shot, it's huge. I don't care who you're playing, where you're playing, what you're doing. And that was his emotional in the moment reaction. Now, 
you have to give a little bit of forgiveness for that if if you don't like it because it was an emotional in the moment thing. It wasn't some preordained dance or you know something like that. It wasn't a touchdown dance. It was in the moment a crowd that had been raucous. He hit a shot and put a finger to his mouth. I I did not see that as anything more than a, a kid being emotional in the moment, a kid who's had an up and down criticized career at times, and he reacted emotionally. And I have no problem with that. I don't want robots playing for my basketball team. I want human beings who have emotional reactions and who have, you know, uh, who, 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 you know, can express themselves when something good happens. Uh, a lot of people were saying this never would have happened under coach Knight. Well, yeah, coach Knight's gone. And a lot of bad things happened under coach Knight that we can talk about sometime. You know, this is, uh, you know, that kind of criticism is just idiotic. It's a different world. Now it's not 1976. Kids have different personalities, different attitudes, and you know, they're not robots. They react and they do things. And I had no problem with it. I thought it was a kid reacting to a moment that was incredibly emotional for him and the guys he spends all of his time with, you know, together having a big, you know, sigh of relief, a big weight lifted off their shoulders. And I had no, and they all joined him. In it. it was a collective celebration, you know, which is what was so great to see. Yeah. Let, yeah, let me get mean, back to these, these robots you speak of, uh, do they turn the ball over and can they get the ball in bounds in key situations late in the game? I'm willing possible, to hear, Andy. you know, I'm willing to hear this out just to see what, the what technology what isn't be. there yet. We need Elon Musk to work on this. No turnover robots. That's what we need. And, uh, I, you know, I'd love robot officials. I think we all know that. Uh, I think they should perfect that first and then work on the, the robot basketball players. Uh, ro- robot Bo Borowski is, uh, is a scary sight to, to consider, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely willing to, to revisit this robot conversation depending on uh, the direction that, that they can take the technology. Can we just consider also the irony of sitting here on January 19th and we're having a discussion criticizing James Blackman Jr. for showing too much emotion? Like, what does this guy have to do? Like, he's not showing enough emotion. He's showing too much. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. Like, I, I just, sometimes I really wish, you know, sports fans in general, but, you know, our, our fan base too in particular, that we would celebrate the great plays that our guys make and the great things they do instead of always harping on the things they don't do or the things that we wish they did differently. Um, and, and I want to talk about about that here uh, to kind of close up this segment. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips uh, talking about Indiana's win over Penn State. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about this actually on the post-game show. And so if you haven't listened to that episode and this topic is of interest uh, to you, I know I've gotten a lot of comments actually from IU fans thanking us for the position that we took on this um, and, and for, look, reveling in the enthusiasm of that win while also pointing out the, the excruciating parts at the end. And those two ideas don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can think Indiana played absolutely horrible, unconscionably bad for the final four minutes. It shouldn't have happened. Criticized so much uh, from what the players did and what the coaches did. And then also just absolutely love and adore and get into that final shot and the win. There's no reason you can't do both. And I just feel like maybe... Some fans, based on their reaction, missed a real opportunity for joy at what happened by getting a little bit too caught up in the negatives uh, in that Penn State game. Ryan, what do you think? People need, to, people need to stop overthinking things. Just be happy your basketball team won. On the road, in the Big Ten, you know, again, that doesn't happen very often, regardless of who you are, uh, especially this year. This year, teams are losing left and right on the road who shouldn't lose. And, and so, 
yeah, it was a road win in the Big Ten. How you got there, I don't care. If you if you started the game, and we talked about this in the postgame show, if you started the game and said, look, Indiana's going to win a close game on a last-second shot, how would you feel about that? You'd take it every time because it's a win. Uh, had that been a back-and-forth game the whole time and they hit a three at the end to win it, everybody would be celebrating. But it's the way it melted down. I get it. you know. But at the same time, the fact that they weathered that and still won is actually more impressive to me because everything was going against him in that last two minutes. Everything was building the wrong direction. And they somehow, you know, James Blackman Jr. flipped the momentum in a split second to knock down that three. And that's what great players do. That's what great shooters do is they can turn the momentum. And so I think it's, you know. Look, they won the game on the road in the Big Ten. Yeah, there's stuff that needs to be cleaned up. As Andy said earlier, yeah, there's stuff. We can talk about that. But at the same time, a win is a win is a win on the road in the Big Ten, and they got one. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I try to to think about the perspective that I have now as a 38-year-old dad of, of two and probably the way that I reacted at other times to, you know, different games over the course of time. And I, and I don't think what we don't want is for it to come off as if we're telling people like, here's how to be a fan. Here's the right way to do it. Um, what I would say though, is, uh, it, it, every game doesn't have to be a moratorium on Tom Crean, the program, what, whatever else you want it to be, what the expectations are and things like that. Sometimes it can just be a basketball game and the basketball game can be exciting and excruciating and fun and terrifying um, all at the same time. And I think one of the things that and maybe we're in a somewhat unique position where we have to get on and talk about this after all these games. Um, and so we get very focused on the individual game and, and tend to wait until the offseason to step back and take a big picture look at things. Um, and and so maybe that has helped shape some of our perspective and the way we view it and the fact that we have a lot more fun talking about games after wins almost no matter how they get there. But um, I, I guess I just, you know, at, at some point, when is it all good enough? And if a win and coming back without two of your best players uh, and finding a way to get it done on the road isn't good enough, like I don't really know what to tell people. And, and um, just enjoy it. Those kids were enjoying it. And to me, sometimes that's what's as gratifying as anything to see their excitement. I, I still remember, you know, the, the picture of Yogi and Troy walking off the court arm in arm, um, last year after the, I think it was the Purdue win and just the, the joy on their faces. Just sometimes that can be all that it is. It doesn't have to be anything greater than that. And I think, um, easy to get caught up in it, but there's 30 games as well. And, and I don't think we can look at every game as if it has to mean something magical. Um, that was an awesome win. It was great to see those guys do something. It was great to see them come out on the the, the good end of, you know, one of these weird games with weird bounces and um, and kind of get some luck from the basketball gods or whoever it is. I don't know. But I choose to view it that way. Um, certainly other people can view it however they want. But, uh, you know, I think the way that we've handled it in the aftermath of that is probably what you're going to get from us. And if that's not the way that you like to, to handle the, handle it, then I guess at least you know that going in. I think Andy just shushed everybody. I think I see him over there. With his finger up, shushing everybody. I feel shushed. <laughs> I feel shushed. <laughs> now, Andy, very well said, man. I agree with everything that you just said. All right, coming up in our final segment, we take a look ahead to Indiana's battle with Michigan State on Saturday. It's obviously a huge game. We break that down, and we deliver our bold predictions for next week. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. you 
You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Andy, big game for Indiana on Saturday. Michigan State comes to Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Um, what's the biggest matchup that you think uh, could be problematic for Indiana, especially without OG Ananobi? Well, I think in light of, of uh, Ananobi not being there, I think it's figuring out who guards Miles Bridges. Um, so really talented freshman for Michigan State. Missed some time with injury, but he's averaging 15 and 8 on the season and has, uh, you know, played played pretty well of late. He's got uh, 30 or 40 points total uh, in their last two games. So he's really starting to come on a bit more. Uh, a difficult matchup from a size perspective. Um, can shoot the can shoot the three a bit, uh, but also can really play inside, really active on the glass and just a, a tremendous leaper. So trying to it really uh, everybody send any good vibes Juwan Morgan's way that you can, both uh, to get ready to play the game and also to uh, for how he does in it. I can't really get a handle on how good Michigan State is. I mean, they're 12-7. and seven. You know, they only beat Tennessee Tech by eight. They beat Oral Roberts by four. But yet, they're Michigan State and Tom Izzo. Like, should we be afraid? Is this a game we should expect to win? I think you can always be afraid of a Tom Izzo coach team as the season goes along. I, you know, for them, the big thing was they have a lot of new pieces, had a really talented recruiting class. Um, but But injuries really robbed them of the ability to mesh that with uh, you know, experienced guys, you know, Aaron Harris, really the only guy who played significant minutes last year. They've still got Tum Tum Nairn, who's who's limited offensively. Uh, Matt McQuaid continues to play some minutes, Alvin Ellis. But those guys have not been uh, consistent contributors. And a lot of the injuries came along the front line where uh, usually you can count on a, a couple solid big guys. Uh, Nick Ward, freshman, has played really well, but had to uh, grow up fast in that regard. And so I think that that enabled them to get off to a slow start. The schedule for them was tough as usual. Uh, and so it seemed like they were starting to hit their stride, although they did lose to Penn State at the Palestra a couple weeks ago, bounced back to beat uh, Minnesota pretty handily at home, and then somehow lost a, dropped a game to a suddenly resurgent Ohio State uh, last Sunday. So they've, they've been up and down. I think a lot of that is the n- amount of freshmen they're playing and the, uh, and the number of minutes those guys are getting. What's different about this Michigan State team, Andy? I mean, wh- why have they had such a rough go of it? I, it? Just to me, watching them, it seems like they don't have a lot of uh, this seems weird, but Michigan State, quote unquote, guys on that team, you know, guys who were, you know, tough interior, uh, even at the guard spot. I mean, Denzel Valentine was a was a point guard, essentially, but he was a guy who could bang inside and uh, and, and worked hard on the glass and things like that. It just seems to me that they they're not the same type of team they've been before. What's what's going on there? Do you think it's just inexperience or guys not stepping up? I, I think a lot of it's an experience. Any of the the big guys I expected to have, uh, Gavin Schilling, who a, a solid um, but not spectacular player, has been injured and is going to be out. They had a grad transfer, Ben Carter from UNLV, uh, who got injured, is not going to play at all this season. And so those kinds of you know tough guys, enforcers uh, in the middle haven't been there. And just in general, you think about leadership being passed down and um, you know one one class to the next. Just, just really hasn't been there for them, and they've really struggled offensively to, you know, be somewhat broad about it. Uh, when you look back over their stats from from years come, defensively they're right in that sweet spot of where they have typically been, uh, but offensively they're just inside the top hundred in efficiency. Well, if I had to pick a guy, I, I just from from my perspective, if I had to pick a guy to watch out for for Indiana. It's uh, Josh Langford. Just he's shooting forty four percent from three, and he's not a guy that's going to be on the top line of guys you look out for. And that seems to be the guy who always kills Indiana. Is the one guy you're not thinking about. So I I don't know. I the the games I've seen, he's a guy that 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 I feel like could 
jump up for 12 or 15 points that kill Indiana in this one. Well, it's a huge game for Indiana. Obviously, the Hoosiers have already dropped two home games, so they can't afford to drop any more. And so we will uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. But, gentlemen, let's get to our bold predictions for this week. Uh, last week was a decent week. Uh, Andy, you didn't get yours, but Ryan, Indiana did win both of their games. And I went with OG. I said he'd have 10 points and then 10 rebounds plus steals plus blocks against Rutgers. And, of course, he got that. And uh, I'm just sad that I won't be able to pick OG for any more of these, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, but at least he went out, you know, and uh, and had that big game against Rutgers, which was nice to see. So for the season, Andy, you are three and five. Ryan is two and Missed six. Missed it by .01 points per possession against Penn State. So aggravating. You did. You did. Uh, I'm three and, and five, by the way. I'm three and five. Ryan, Don't listen to what they say. Five. Ryan Paul is a very sad and shaky and- two and six, and I am one and seven. So I have finally off the schneid a little bit. Let's get to our bold predictions for this week. Andy, what do you got? <clears throat> Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the bench despite what I, you know, just going against basically anything that I say on the show seemed to almost work last week. So I'm going to stick with it again. I'm going to say the bench gets, uh, I'll say 16 points, um, which I think in a game against Michigan state for a bench full of uh, freshmen and first year players, uh, it seems like a lot, but I use going to need more, uh, from the bench. And, um, and I think if they're going to win this game, which I, I think they will, and certainly hope they will. Uh, they're going to have to continue to get production out of some combination of the freshman uh, McRoberts and uh, Freddie McSwain. Okay, wow. All right, that that is a bold prediction right there. Let's see what Ryan has for us. Well, uh, I know this is going to get ripped, but I think that 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 a bold prediction for this game would be Indiana winning and taking down Michigan State, see, winning their third straight. And taking down a good Michigan State team that seems to be well, they've lost two out of three. But they, still, but I think they bold, need, they need but, okay, but that's not. A, I mean, that's just like kind of a lame prediction. I thought Indiana's we went back to home. reasonable predictions no, anyway. It, what is this? Yeah, but you have taken advantage of that and and basically rendered the whole predicting exercise useless with these worthless predictions. No one wants to listen to that. Well, it wasn't, Indiana's wasn't expected to win yeah. home games. I don't. It's seventy four percent favorite on Ken Palm. Yeah, I don't know no, what you. Granted, that doesn't take into account right. Hey, Ken uh, Palm predicted boy. Indiana to win by three over Penn State, I think. so. That was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. All right, fine. I'll switch it. I, uh, I've i got Thomas Bryant getting a double-double. How's that? Is that bold enough for you? Yes, that that is a strong, bold prediction. Very nice. Thomas and I, and, Bryant, double-double. And he may need to do that for Indiana to win. For my bold prediction, I'm going with James Blackman, Jr., he rides the momentum from that big three-pointer against Penn State and scores 20-plus against Michigan State. Uh, they are still a very good defensive team, as Andy mentioned, 29th in the country in defense, but they are much better at defending twos, ninth in the country, which doesn't bode well for Ryan's bold prediction, but they aren't as good at defending threes. And so James has only hit 20 points in two of his last seven games, but I say he goes out and does it on Saturday against Michigan State in a game that Indiana should win. I think they will win, and I hope that Simon Scott Assembly Hall is rocking for for this team to give them the atmosphere that they need to go out and get this big victory and keep the positive vibes going. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after the IU Michigan State and IU Michigan games this week for our postgame show, or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Mexico is more than a country. 
It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico. Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.